10, clinch perfect. I'm Ben, and as always, joined by Tom. How are you doing, mate? Hi, guys. I'm good. Hopefully my internet doesn't cut out this week. Yeah, that was a disaster. That was, I mean, me having to fill airtime by myself. I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't <laughs> I handle the pressure. To my thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got lots to talk about, so we'll just get straight into the, uh, the Brunton Holland card. We're going to talk about Cage Warriors, um, talk about some some of the latest news, some of the latest matchups that have been confirmed. You know I'm going to talk about Ilya Tupuria because... I am the the lone member of, of the boy. day one Ilya Tupuria hype train. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll start with the Brunson Holland card. And uh, we were saying last week that we would love the um, the buys husband and wife duo to both win, even though we didn't it. think they would. And they both lost in pretty bad fashion. <laughs> I think we're a jinx, mate. <laughs> to be fair, we did say we think they'll probably lose, but we would like yeah. them to win. At least there was that caveat, yeah. I just knew it was going to be a bad night the minute he got stopped. I was like, oh dear. Well, JP looked up. pretty terrible, I'm not going to lie. I mean, yeah. you know, he, he was what in there was? against a really good opponent and a better opponent than he's faced at any is point. Is it Bruno Silva? So, is, is that his yeah. name? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't want to shit him too much because it's a pretty hard debut, but um, I just didn't really understand what his game plan was. Like, it didn't really seem like he had one almost. It was like, he didn't really know what he was supposed to be. The second he got in there and got hit, got touched a few times, he was like, oh, fuck. And he yeah. didn't really know what he was doing. And Head then um, yeah. and then Cheyenne, I don't know if you've seen the clip beforehand when she said like um, that she had emulated Montserrat Ruiz in training, helping her sparring partner train to fight her. And she was like, oh, yeah, so I trained and emulated those stupid hip tosses she does. And um, yeah, Montserrat didn't take too kindly to that. And a, a new candidate for the king or queen shithouse of the UFC. I quite like the Playboy Bunny costume at the, um, the weigh-ins, to be honest. I'm a big off. fan of, of everything Montserrat Ruiz. After the, like, like you said, the Playboy Bunny costume was funny. Her tats are awesome. I don't know if you saw, she got a Pennywise tattoo on her leg. Um, I'm going to go on a limb here, mate. A bit of a wild one. Hear me out. I think she's like the Colby of the, of the division. Do you know what I mean? I think she's got a bit of a needle to her. She, she, definitely, has, she definitely has a bit of a, yeah. Like, that's what I was saying. She's the new queen shithouse of the UFC. Like, people were saying she spit on Cheyenne after the fight. If you watch the club, she definitely did not spit on her. No, I'm did. pretty sure she just said puta. And it, and it as she pursed her lips, it looked like she spit on her. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved that she was vindictive enough to think, oh, you think my hip throws are stupid? Well, get a load of this, bitch. <laughs> I love that she was, like, she was that vindictive. And I love that she got in her face after the fight. You know, I like a bit of that. You're always talking about class and respect in mixed martial arts. I like a bit of shithousing. Yeah, a little bit of, of spite and venom. Goes down a treat. Great way to kick off the card, really, as well. Like, yeah, yeah. The JP and, and Bruno Silva fight was pretty good. I mean, like we said, JP wasn't really in it, but um, Bruno Silva put on a bit of a, a bit of a masterclass and landed some beautiful shots. He nearly knocked him out a few times before he actually finished it. Yeah, pissed him off on the feet completely. And it, was, it was good to see him get a win under his belt. Had a bit of a rough ride in the UFC so far. Um, so it'll be, it'll be, it's good to see him get some momentum under it. And, and what a way to finish as well. I think I thought it was a bit unlucky in terms of the performance bonuses and stuff. He's in a new contract though, I just saw today. Um, yeah, I was, I was compiling these notes. Got a new four-fight contract off that. So I think that'll be worth what he would have won from the uh, from the performance bonus if he'd got I'm it. I'm sure so. the King of Cringe had nothing to do with that whatsoever. <laughs> um, another fight we were really excited about was Trevin Giles and um, Dolidze. I was a little bit disappointed, not going to lie. I was expecting a little bit more of a firefight. Um, the second one was quite interesting because we had one of those weirdest situations where you don't know how the judges are going to score it with Dolidze going for um, heel hooks, which he spent a lot of his last fight doing, and Giles doing most of the damage. It was one of those where you lit like, depending on what judges are feeling what on what night it could go either way yeah I thought uh, I'm a big fan of Talisa like, I mean who wouldn't be after his amazing start to his UFC career but I just felt I just feel I don't know maybe maybe it's me but I feel like he needs to work on his cardio it seems like he always gasses towards like the final third no, I, I almost felt like he was a little surprised how hard Giles hit to be honest like yeah yeah maybe it was, it was like, up, coming down in weight as well right like yeah maybe, maybe that's so he probably the, thought he was going to be able to bully him Mm. But Giles but again, has a lot of Giles power. Giles no mug. Like I completely agree. I, I was really impressed with his um, pre-fight interviews in the build-up, saying how like he's no basically he's no coward and he just had a, a freak medical incident um, before the the ill-fated Kevin Holland fight that obviously didn't happen. I think I think it it's it's, re, it's it's quite reassuring when you hear a fighter speak so candidly and openly about 
an issue that they've had and how they've overcome it. So it, I think it was it was good to see him get his dues, and I thought it was the right decision. I've seen some ridiculous takes on Twitter saying, "Oh, it's a robbery and all that usual bollocks," but um, I was pretty happy with it. No, it was definitely the right decision. And what you're talking about there, talking candidly about sort of things that haven't gone for you in the past. I know it was cancelled off this card, but um, Gregor Gillespie, did you see him talking about Kevin Lee before yeah. this fight? Basically said like. You know, he hit me with the, the perfect shot. Like, well, how am I, how am I going to dwell on it? I think a journalist said, like, you know, how did you get over that? And he was like, it was easy. Like, what is there to get over? Kevin Lee hit a beautiful shot and knocked me out. So what? It happens. Um, did he, he said something like, I can't really remember it, didn't he? It was some some sort of tongue-in-cheek comment, I think. Yeah, so. I thought he handled that really well and cannot wait for that fight to be rebooked. Um Pretty disappointed that was off this card, but it was still a pretty fun card. Um, Grant, no Dawson. sour grapes. Come on, positivity. Let's go. <laughs> oh, no sour grapes. You don't want me to talk about how Giles fucked up my accumulator by not getting a knockout when he had Delidze hit in round three. Um, you know, which Paul again Felder surprised even, me. Paul Felder even said to him in his post fight interview, you could tell he was surprised. He, for those who don't remember, he knocked him down or maybe got a partial knockdown, I guess you could say. And Delidze was pretty badly hurt. And then Giles kind of like half took his back, but didn't really and just kind of held him down and grappled with him, which I was so pissed at. He could have so easily knocked him out, but fair enough. He won the fight. We both agree deservedly. Uh, we'll move on. Uh, Grant Dawson, we talked about this before we came on air. Leonardo Santos was a little bit disappointing, but fucking hell of a finish for Grant Dawson. Weird call out though. Called out Clay Guida after the fight. Yeah. I can kind of see it in the sense of his resume building, right? Like I'm not saying it's a given that he'll beat Clay Guida, but Dawson's looked pretty solid. Um, and Guida, let's face it. I mean, I'm a we've been on this podcast before. I'm a massive Clay Guida fan. I think the guy is one of the the legends of the game. Just game as they come. But if I'm being honest, he's come towards the twilight of his career, right? Like that, that's almost a no brainer given his age and just the mileage he's taken um, in and out of the octagon. But I think it's just a case of getting a legend on your ledger. That's... Well, I think Dawson would be so much bigger than him on fight night as well. Yeah. Like after he's rehydrated, Dawson would be like fucking 40, 50 pounds bigger. I, I think just maybe not like... that much, but... Let me look at um... the rankings and just see what he does. Give me seconds. It was also ridiculous to think, What I mean, watching this fight, watching how easily Dawson... Well, I say easily, he didn't, he didn't easily bully him because Leonardo Santos has really good takedown defense, but um, the size difference was notable. And Dawson used to fight a weight class below. He used to fight at 145, which the whole fight, all I could think was, how the fuck did this guy ever make 145? Um, absolutely ridiculous, because he looks huge at lightweight. Yeah, Guida is a really weird call-out. I can't even see him in the rankings. Because he's so small? I think it's just... I can't fucking... Oh, he's, yeah, he's ranked 34th. Yeah, so but definitely, it, definitely a weird one. Dawson has defended it since as well and said, like, you know, what are you talking about? It's a weird call out. It's a great call out. Um, I mean, we'll all agree fun. to disagree. It would be a fun <laughs> fight. It'd be a crazy, like, scrap. But it'd be a fun fight until Guida gets finished. Yeah, but I think to be honest, like, I'd rather see like Sarukian or Dariush. I mean, obviously Dariush is put against Ferguson, but that'd be a fun fight. Sarukian was one I saw people talking about on Twitter. That would be really fun. Felder, Felder would be really fun, but unlikely. Probably a little bit too high there. She shouldn't have a little bit too high after we just talked about... I don't know, he's, he's, ranked 50, he's ranked 15th. Oh, fair enough. Um, and then a fight we weren't really going to talk about, the Marion Renault fight, but we have to talk about it now because she is taking a retirement fight against Misha Tate, which is a good retirement fight for Renault as well because it'll probably be on a main card, maybe like the second fight of a main card or something um, since it's Misha Tate. And good to see Misha Tate back after two All losses right. in a row and a, a lengthy layoff. I'm delighted. Although, I, to be fair, I don't really know how contract, how, how contract situation works because obviously she works for one, right? So I'm not really sure how... I, I know, like, fight-wise, she's obviously tied to the FC. But she's VP for one championship, so it's a bit weird that she's, you know, coming back. Yeah, it's a little strange. <laughs> but she's, she's still young. She's 34. That's not, like, old... That's not an old age to be a fighter, is it? I mean, especially in a pretty thin division as well. Um yeah. She'd definitely make a run if she really committed to it. Um, another couple impressive performances we need to talk about. Bam Bam tied to Ivasa oh, and um, Adrian Yanez both got knockouts. I think they're both on the main card, yeah. And uh, I mean, Bam Bam, you wanted to talk about his shoeies. I don't really because they're <laughs> fucking disgusting. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, that was the fight itself was, I mean, a mismatch. No offense to, to Harry Hunsucker, great name. And, you know, 
fair fucking play for taking a fight with such a beast on short notice. I think it was only like three days notice. But, you know, this is a guy who lost on Contender Series and now is only getting a shot because of the short notice situation. Maybe he'll do better when he has a full camp. But, um, yeah, it was a mismatch. And I think just doesn't really move to Ivasa up on the rankings or anything. Just, you know, another green tick on his record or whatever. But, um, yeah, and so, you know, compliment what you want about the shoeies, mate. I mean, it's the sandal one that impressed me the most. Just just how physically, like, yeah. How is that even possible, man? <laughs> I mean, I'm impressed you defied physics, but I still find it fucking revolting, not going to lie to you. Um, and then Adrian Yanez, what a fucking performance. His boxing, I mean, so I, don't think I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating here to say he's one of the best boxers in the UFC. His boxing is so clean and so fast. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it's the it's the uh, Dan Harley kind of picked up on it, I think. Um, although that video might not be out yet. Oops. But he, yeah, he's um the way he closes distance, then like moves out of range. The the, the, the his, his foot work is just ridiculous. I don't. I mean, I know everyone's focusing on the hands, but if you look at his speed on the feet as well, it's kind of like Jesus. This guy's like, I mean, he he reads danger so well as well because. Um, I can't remember his opponent's name off the top Gustavo of the head, Lopez, he, yeah. who's a weird fight yeah. to fight against. But he's, he was jumping very up and down all over yeah. the place, and yeah, he was very clearly very game. But every time that he came close to like, well, there were a couple of times where I was like, oh, this is going to turn into like a a bit of fireworks. But Yana's kind of like Yana's was too good for that. Yeah, exactly. He kind of just picked him apart um, and then put him away, and that's exactly what you want to see from a, a debutant, really. Like, just fantastic. Yeah, really good. Um, he called out Nate Maynus because apparently Maynus called him out before. Um, but I have my eyes set a little higher for him. Um, Montel Jackson, who got a win earlier on the card, an equally impressive knockout. I think that'd be a really fun fight and, you know, a, another fun strike. Sorry, not Davidson. He'd, he'd already beaten Victor Rodriguez. Yeah. yeah, that's a fun fight. That's a real fun fight. Um, especially, I don't know, Montel Jackson's a weird one. Everyone seems really high on him and I'm not that, I don't know. <laughs> sounds really harsh but I think he's, he's still got a lot left to prove yeah but so does Yanis I mean as, as good as he is he's still very young and, and very raw and, and very new to the UFC so I think it'd be a good one for them to match up and you know whoever wins that then has a ton of momentum because they've well, knocked Giannis off another Yanis has had more fights hasn't he 13 yeah. and 3 yeah it's interesting that would be I mean he's only a year younger as well all his losses have come by decision as well whereas Mm, yeah, stylistically, that's really fun. I, I, I don't know. I, just, I didn't think. I know he got the stoppage and everything, but I just wasn't that impressed by Jackson. <laughs> yeah, his opponent wasn't the best. I mean, he was another short notice replacement with a very limited experience. And talking about weird um, matchmaking, Max Griffin got a very impressive win, but then not so sure about the call out calling out Jeff Neal. I mean, you know, sure the the knockout probably deserves a big fight, but. I just I I would worry for him if he was going in there with Jeff Neal. Like, let's not forget, just because Wonderboy pieced up Jeff Neal, that's Wonderboy. Like Jeff Neal is a fucking beast. He made Mike Perry look shit, and you know Mike Perry, no matter what you think of him, is very tough and very tough to finish. And he demolished him in like thirty seconds. So, um, ambitious, fair play for Max Griffin, but I'm not so sure about that call out. Um, I think maybe he's um aiming a little too high with that one. Yeah, I mean, Griffin's only been knocked out once, but Neil would definitely test his chin. I'm not so sure. He'd... Yeah, he's, he's, he's on a two-fight win streak. Last loss to Alex Oliveira, a decision, or a split decision. Um, it seems quite I mean, a It'd be step. fun, to be fair to him, yeah. but yeah, it's a big step up. It'd be a fun fight um, and probably be over quickly one way or the other because they both have big power. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced he's quite there yet. Maybe one more fight and... Uh, Jeff Neal can have a fight in the meantime. And then we got another fun call out in the uh, in the main event. I did want to talk about the main event. Um, if you saw what Dana said afterwards, he said that he thought Kevin Holland had like a mental breakdown. And I don't agree with that at all. I think, and this is probably a ridiculous analogy, and I may be the only family who my, me and my siblings did this, but this is, how, this is what I thought of it as. Um, I had, uh, I've got a brother who's a year and a half older than me and a sister who's three years older. And so when we were growing up, like, you know, PlayStation, FIFA, any sports we played, whatever, we'd always compete like hell with each other. And if if one of the siblings, the one of the three of us was losing, we would like deliberately lose as badly as possible and stop trying. So we could be like, oh, well, I wasn't really trying. You know, like if you're losing 
three nil on FIFA, you might kick a few in your own net, and then you can be like, oh, see, it's seven nil because I wasn't even, I was just messing around. That was a little bit of what I got from Holland on Saturday night. It was like he kind of got in there and was like, ah, it doesn't really matter if I win. Like, you know, I'm not really trying that hard. So pff, whatever. Um, I don't agree with Dana that it was some mental breakdown that he couldn't deal with the pressure. I think Kevin Holland just doesn't really give a fuck. <laughs> I, I saw this. I think the, uh, the Oliver McCall comparison kind of got me because I was like, it's just not even comparable. Like Oliver McCall is a legend of boxing. And you can't really say the same for Kevin Holland at the moment. Yeah. I think he just got taken into deep waters and, well, was drowned. Well, he's never been by good Brunson's at defending wrestling. takedowns. Like, right. I don't know why that was news to anyone. We said last week that we thought Brunson would win purely because of that. That yeah. Yeah, who was Holland beat that can take him down regularly? No one. And I think, yeah, I think he just got found out. To be honest, and that sounds like that sounds really brutal. But as you say, his takedown defense is terrible. And I mean, he showed glimpses of what makes him, you know, special in the way in terms of. I, think I just thought the I second just... round he hit him pretty bad just with a couple shots. But, I get tra- I get trash talk and like keeping it entertaining and engaging, but when you're losing that badly, and like you're trying to keep you're, you're trying to entertain the fans, you're trying to play up with Dana. Like, I think it backfired on him massively. I, I think he's come out looking quite foolish, and I think uh, for all this yapping, I think he's he has some serious holes in his game that he needs to work on. Um, I mean, don't forget, this is this is 2020 fighter of the year who's just been exposed by Derek Brunson, who has lost to the very best. He's lost to Robert Whittaker. He's lost to Israel Adesanya. If Holland, before this fight, was calling out Izzy, saying, oh, I want, like, I'm going for that. I'm, I'm hunting for that title shot. Paolo Costa. All if these, I'm not all mistaken, these... he was mocking Izzy for getting taken down by, yeah. by Jan as well, which... And there's a big I difference mean, between a being taken down by now. yeah exactly. There's a big difference between being taken down by a middleweight and being taken back down by a very heavy light heavyweight. Like let's put it and the best light heavyweight for that matter. Um, yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, after the fight, Brunson called out Paulo Costa. Um, again, again, it's another yeah. one where I'm like, I, I, he kind of deserve. It's kind of like what I said with Griffin. He kind of deserves a big fight after an impressive win, but at the same time, I'm like, uh, that might not go well for you. <laughs> I have a better idea. What's your better idea? Jared Cannonier versus Paolo Costa. Sign me up. I swear you mentioned that potential match every week. I do. Every, <laughs> every time we talk about this division, you, you talk about Cannonier fighting Costa. Um, I, I yeah, I mean, Claret. <laughs> <laughs> impressive from Brunson. Did everything he needed to do. Um, but I like you know, like we just said about Holland not being able to defend takedowns. It almost felt kind of easy for Brunson. Like he yeah, didn't really it, break a sweat. Well, obviously he broke a sweat. He fought 20, for 25 minutes in an octagon, but, you know, metaphorically speaking, he didn't really break a sweat in terms of it wasn't, you know, a war that, you know, threw him into deep waters or anything. The stage um, the stage was set for Holland to put his name on the map and real, really make a statement. And he failed biz, abysmally. Like, there's no, there's no, there's no way of covering up that fact. Like, you could tell Dana was so disappointed. Like, you don't get a main event and as a prospect, because let's face it, he's still a prospect in the sense that they were trying to gear him up as like someone who could fight Izzy and and build a bit of a I don't know like publicity and, and PR around that. And well, it was a bit of a damp squid to be honest. Like even on the feet, he didn't look particularly impressive. The few times it was on the feet, like. Oh yeah, and shout out to um, Habib illegally streaming the fight right in front of him. <laughs> that was the, that was the highlight <laughs> of the fight. Of <laughs> Big fan of that. Um, Talking of highlights, Cage Warriors was fucking full of them. There were loads Amazing. of insane finishes. Um, obviously, um, Jordan Vucinic, the, the Saturday night card, won the main event. And I think there was a little bit of fuss on Twitter about that, but we both said we pretty much agree with the decision. It was close, but um, I think it's just because, Sh- like I said, Shari has a huge fan base, and especially on social media. So I, I don't think there was really any controversy. It was just people moaning on Twitter, like always. Yeah, that, I, it wasn't a robbery at all. Just a very close fight. Could have gone either way. Um and in fact, if you listen to Mark Goddard, he clearly explains why it went that way. So, yeah, I think people need to just get themselves acquainted with the rule. But I think Graham actually put out, Graham Boyle and put out an Instagram like story or post basically being like, I'm getting called like all these names under the sun, but the judges are impartial, they're independent. And I completely agree with him. Like, sometimes decisions just don't go in your favor. Sometimes they don't go in the way of your favorite fighter. That's just MMA. That's why we love MMA. It's unpredictable, right? I I thought Vitanovic fought a very smart fight. Sort of fought Sharia. looked really good, yeah. Like, controlled the pace, controlled the exchanges, um, closed distance, 
That's my that's my so first cool. time seeing him fight, and um, he's got a new fan because I was really impressed. Go um, go back and watch um, Richanich versus Paul Hughes. It was previous fight. It took Paul Hughes out. Really, really close fight again, but absolute barn burner. And I, I mean, I don't want to go away too much from the events because credit to Cage Warriors, and I'll talk more on that in a second. But I, I have an inkling that that's the fight they're going to make next. They're going to make Vichanich versus Paul Hughes two for the summer, potentially the trilogy card in June. Um, again, the trilogy. I don't know what it is with the trilogies. Like they're just, it's really fun having like three three fight nights back to back. It's good for it's good for betting purposes. <laughs> you open Skybet and there's like a list of twenty fights there. Um, no, Paddy no, Pimblett got a big one as well. Yeah, we uh, we just spoke before air about the fact that literally as I was compiling the notes to this um, for this pod, I noticed on on Twitter that people talking about that he's been signed to the UFC and um, yeah, he's he's in the rankings pool now, so it looks pretty official that he's in the UFC. And we, I think, both agree that might need to slow the hype train, slow the roll down a little bit. Um, you know, there's people talking about him being like the next star in the UFC on, I've seen on Twitter. And, you know, he, he's very good. He's not, you know, a bum. He's going to win. He will win fights in the UFC. But I think they need personally, to build him up. I think, yeah, personally, I think they need to build him up slow because if they, you know, if he wins one or two fights and then gets, you know, someone in like the 10 to 15 ranked area or slightly below that, I could see him getting smoked, to be honest. Yeah, I think then you sort of, like if you look at what they did with Connor, right, when he first came to the UFC, they didn't rush him immediately into like Dustin Poirier in his like third fight or whatever. They well, I mean they did, but it was a different kind of Dustin Poirier, <laughs> let's be honest. Um it's yeah, a gradual it was Dustin process. Around, around a similar level at the time, yeah. Yeah, it's a gradual process, a step by step thing. I think he is a big star, I think he's a massive draw, really entertaining character and a great fighter. Like his finish was ridiculous. But I, I do think we need to apply the brakes a bit, like talking about like top 15 opponents and stuff is silly. That's just not how the UFC works. Um, and it'd be unfair to him as well. Like, you know, I, yeah. I got, I told you, I got some stick on Twitter for saying, I think he might get smoked in UFC, but you know, I, I don't want that to happen. You know, I want all British fighters to do well. So um, it would be unfair to him to, you know, give him, I don't know, a day and, and then I, throw him in there with the number 15 or whatever. I don't think they will throw him in at the deep end either. I think, I think like, I think they'll build him up. I think they'll give him like a, a few testers, a few, like feelers just to like because fighting in the octagon is completely different to fighting in like the cage warriors arena it's the, the size the the audience like the, well, just, just the, pre- the pressure, the pressure. Of yeah like, exactly you know like, we love cage warriors but the audience is not even you know it's minuscule comparatively um, I don't get me wrong Paddy thrives off that like, I, I, I take my hat off to him I think he's one of the, the best characters in the British scene um, and I can't wait to see him make his debut but I do think like everyone needs to like Apply the brakes just a bit, and like otherwise, it's unfair on him because you're just putting all this pressure on his young shoulders, and just just let him grow, let him do his thing. Don't Michael Owen the lad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, there were loads of impressive finishes. Uh, and Doy got that insane knee where he caught the guy coming in, perfect timing, need him as he came in for the takedown. That was his Nicholas first LeBlanc. win in however many years as well. Yeah, yeah, it was a long time. Um, Nicholas Lebon absolutely slept his opponent, like literally put him to sleep. Like it was, it kind of reminded me of um, the way Drakkar Close fell when um, Darius knocked him out. It was very similar to that in the way, and actually kind of like how Gillespie fell against Kevin Lee as well, with the head like cramped in the corner of the up against the fence. Um, and then obviously, who we we couldn't go this pod without talking about Ian Gary. Um, here is a hype train I'm definitely on, and uh, holy fuck, another insane finish. I did. I feel like I mentioned him in the last pod. Um, I think you mentioned him every week, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To be fair, I'm, let, let's be honest. You, you might be on the Tapuria train. I've been on the Gary train since his, well, amateur days. Massive, massive fan of Ian Gary and uh, Team KF and everything that they're doing. I, I think that I don't want to make. Conor what the fuck was the celebration though? I have to ask. Oh, it's what that, the fuck was it's that? that me- I'll send you the link. It's the meme of that kid in that football st- in the in the football crowd. Like, oh, I think so, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that is it. He's, he's replicating. I still that. don't understand why he's doing it, but I think I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, 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 I that sounded like listeners. I apologize. Like, we'll clip the video up or something. Um, on, on we definitely won't do that. That's way too much effort. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> was Was there anyone we not talked about that you feel like deserves deserves a mention from the Cage Warriors uh, trilogy? Jack Grant, I thought it was really good. Really, really good uh, against Matters Flemness. Um, or Flaminas, I think is actually Flaminas. Yes, uh, both training in the same area, both from Grimsby, Grimsby boys. Um, thought they were really, really good. Uh, upper weight class as well. If 
on a welterweight previous light previously fought lightweight Louis has fought a welterweight in the past. Um yeah, it's good to see him get back in the get back in the win column after a split decision loss to the title fight for the lightweight title. And I thought actually the guy he lost to, Sadari, looked really good against uh, Donovan Desme, who was obviously like a massive fighter on the on the European scene. Um who else? I'm gonna, I'm gonna end up like ranting about Cage Warriors because I just I love it, man. I think it's that's a, that's a great thing about these trilogies is you get so many prospects coming out of there where yeah. Nathan by the, by the end of the weekend you're excited about so many you know yeah future stars whether they'll actually go on to be stars or not who who fucking knows but um yeah I mean can't wait for the can't wait for the next trilogy like you said having fights three days in a row gives you something to do on a Thursday night in lockdown um it's brilliant Nathan Fletcher's really naked choke I don't know if you've seen it but he's now got like every single one of his fights gone he's finished every single one of his fights or pro fights. Um, I caught most of the fights, but I didn't watch all of them because I was intimately you. watching Fargo at the same time. He, cho- um, he, he choked out uh, Michelle Martignoni in the third, yeah, third round, um, like basically like f- five seconds after it started. Um, really, really solid performance. Uh, teammate of Molly McCann, so hopefully we'll see him in the UFC at some point. But again, he's another one. I think that's the thing. Like Cage Warriors do a really good job of building up their prospects. Um, the Fig Lab yeah. brothers couldn't get right. M- massive, massive fan. Of the Fig Lap brothers, I think uh, they're they're Polish, but they fight out of um, Trojan MMA in Gloucester, and wow, they're fantastic! Like so, solid performances from both. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like they're both going to fight in the UFC at some point. It's it's quite a cool story, like how they both train together, both teammates. Um, I think I think. Hopefully the brothers thing will go better than the uh, married husband thing. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I think so. Right, should we move back to UFC? We've got loads of fucking news to run through before UFC um, 260 predictions. And a lot of it is about UFC 260, to be fair. Um, Obviously, extreme disappointment during the uh, Brunson and Holland card that they Many a tear was shed. (laughs) In the middle of the fucking card, they just dropped a bombshell that Volkanovski and Ortega is off. Um, I believe it's been rebooked and actually check when, but... Um, yeah, Volkan obviously has COVID and or tested positive for COVID. I don't know whether he's suffering any symptoms or I don't think so. But um, yeah, get that rebooked as soon as possible, I'm sure. I haven't actually checked when the date is. Um, Jessica Penn versus Hannah Goldie is also off and been rebooked. Um, Jessica Penn has to go on even longer without a fight. I think it's been, what, like two or three years? Yeah, yeah, I think so. She's been she's been uh, banned by Isola, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah. For, um... I don't remember what what it was she tested positive for, but um, yeah, something uh, something TJ Dillashawy and <laughs> another one, the most maybe the most disappointing one, even more disappointing than Volkanovski Ortega, perhaps arguable, is uh, Alonzo Menafield. William Knight is off. We um, were so hyped for that fight, the henchest fight in the history of the UFC. <laughs> that would have been. <laughs> um, both of the guys are absolutely ripped, and um, I think is it Knight. Knight's the one that's out, yeah. Knight's out, and he's going to fight um, Darton Jung on April 10th. Yeah, I think and, it's Coleman tested positive. Yeah, and Alonzo Menafield will fight Fabio Sharon this weekend, who we talked about this before we started, has a great nickname, the Water Buffalo. So I'm going to be rooting for Fabio, the fucking he LFA, Water Buffalo. Is he LFA champ, or was LFA, LFA champ? I think I didn't. I only looked at his record. I think he's like eight and two with six submissions, or eight and one, I'm something like sure that. Pretty sure it's him who's um, reigning LFA champ. I yeah, I can. I can continue bullshitting through news while you uh, while you check that. Um, Hamzat's back, obviously. Yeah, great LFA news. champ. I, I think right. we we kind of all expected that. Um, obviously, we're in hopeful expectation that he wouldn't have actually retired um, due to complications with COVID. That would have been terrible. But um, he tweeted that he's back. Um, he actually tweeted surprise, surprise, which <laughs> I mean. Considering he's gone on record in the past saying he like flew to Ireland to try and kill Connor or some mad shit like that, um, a little bit weird to steal his quote. Um, whether he did that intentionally, I don't know, but he actually tweeted, Surprise, surprise, I'm back, or something like that. Um, fuck loads of fun matchups have been confirmed since we last spoke. Bantamweight division, um, Rob Font, Cody Garbrandt, and uh, TJ Dillashaw and Sanhagen, those are both in May, I think they're like two weeks apart. So at the end of the May, we're going to have a very, very clear picture of what the bantamweight division looks like. You're a big fan of Rob Font as well. So that's I love Rob Font. I can't wait to watch him knock out Cody Garbrandt. And I didn't even particularly hate Cody Garbrandt until last week I saw something on Twitter about him breeding dogs and like chopping off their ears or some shit because it makes them more appealing to people who want to make them fight or something. Um, maybe someone needs to check that story to check I'm not just like slandering him, but um, go look it up. He 
yeah, he breeds dogs and like chops their ears off or some stupid shit. And um, fuck him, basically, is is the message I'm trying to get to. Um, Sandeg and Dillashaw, also an absolute banger. I hinted that. that a couple of episodes ago, I think. Yeah, and I said, why the fuck would Sandhagen have to do that? He's next in line for a title shot. That's such a like that's so brutal for him. I, I mean, I think I'll probably pick him to win, but money. Fucking hell, that's a, I know it's a lot of money, but if you know, he's he's the number one contender already, and he's taking a fight that could you know knock him off that spot. He's gonna absolutely start Dillashaw. Who was it that did that recently? Um was it Calderwood? Lost to Jennifer yeah, Meyer. Yeah. yeah. Like, we've seen that recently that can go badly. So um, you know, I don't big, know, I just think Sandhagen big balls Sandhagen. on Sandhagen. I know he got subbed by Alzo, but I just think that's like levels. I, I, like what he did to Frankie Edgar is just is still imprinted in my. And memory. we have no idea what Dillashaw is going to look like without his um, <laughs> cardio aided by a certain substance. And he's been out, yeah, as you say, he's been out for what, two years. Like that's a long, long time. And I know mm. Ring Rust doesn't really exist, as Dominic Cruz likes to tell us, but I don't know. I just think Sandhagen's like the next Cruz. So this could this could end very very badly for TJ. Yeah, um, another one that's been rebooked. Paul Craig, Jamal Hill. That was cancelled a few weeks ago. I think Hill had COVID. Um, Tim Elliott, Sumu Dezi. Did you see, actually, just, just interject. June. Did you see what? Did what you see what Jamal? Said? Did you see what Jamal Hill said about Craig's wife? No, no. <laughs> oh, it was like it was just like chatting some mad stuff on Instagram, like calling out Mrs. Craig on on this. It was so funny. Well, I think it started because. Craig basically said he pulled out at the last fight and he like kind of accused him of, of ducking, um, which is, I always think it's stupid when people accuse, whether it's a fighter to another fighter or a fan to another fighter, the, the whole, the phrase ducking in the UFC, yeah, it's, look, it's stupid. Like these guys and, and girls all get in there and, you know, basically put their life on the line for our entertainment. None of them duck people. Like that's fucking retarded. Um, but yeah, gr- great fight. Can't wait for that one. Um, like I said, Tim Elliott, Sumo Deji, that's June 26th. Um, Sumo Deji has looked really impressive, but I don't think he's faced anyone on Tim Elliott's level, particularly in the grappling department. So that's going to be a mighty test for him, keeping Elliott off of him, because you know Elliott's not going to want to stand and strike. Yeah, agreed. I, I think uh, it's a make or break for me. Like Tim Elliott's kind of like the gatekeeper of the division. So if Sumo Deji wants to make a statement, yeah, if he goes out there and fucking sleeps him and rounds him, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you know, that's a clear sign that he's you know on a path to stardom. Not that Tim Elliott's a superstar himself, but like you said, he is a bloody good opponent to to get past. Um, Ryan Hall versus Topuria. We already mentioned that. That's supposed Ridiculous. to be July tenth, which is also rumored to be the Connor versus Dustin trilogy. So maybe they're trying to um, push the Topuria hype train a little bit there with me. The UFC could be either way though, couldn't it? Like nah, not having that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people know, like, so I saw a lot of people on, on Twitter were reacting to that fight saying, oh, easy win for Hall. And then when people pushed them back and said, you know, what are you talking about? Why would this be an easy win? They were like, oh, because Topuria's striking looked really good, but, you know, he's, he's never grappled. I'm like, he's a grappler first. That's what people watch like, any of his cage warriors. I know. That's what we were missing about Topuria. Like, he was a grappler first, and like, that, his striking is his second weapon that he just also happens to be really good with. Uh, having said that, like I'm not, I'm not like cursing this fight or anything, but like Hall's grappling. Is oh, I think we've level. got like a 99% chance of Ryan Hall not making it to this fight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only fight I want to see is Ryan Hall versus Cron Gracie, just because that's like a grappling wet dream. But um, yeah, I don't think we'll be we'll be getting that anytime soon. Speaking of wet dreams, Pollyanna Battaglia's <laughs> back. <laughs> Um, <laughs> she's fighting Mario Bueno Silva. I think Bueno Silva stepping in for someone who dropped out. That'll be May first. Um, that's going to be a hell of a fight. Like those two both have sick striking. They both have violent striking as well. Like Silva in particular goes out there to hurt you, not just you know touch you up and win a decision. So um, really look forward to that one. And then um, you know, there's so many bangers to talk about. Jack Manson versus Edmund Shabazian. Um, I think mine and everyone else's reaction to this is Jesus Christ, that is tough for Shabazian coming off a loss. Yeah, especially the way he was beaten as well. Like Brunson isn't exactly like known for his striking, mm-hmm. and he picked him apart. And Hamadson's the same. Hamadson's striking is very underrated. Uh, I remember talking to Dan Hartley about it, and he, he was saying like, "Yeah, he's an amazing grappler, but." He's also a very well-rounded mixed martial artist. Like he's only lost to the very best, like Cannoneer and the like. So yes, it's a tough one. 
especially considering what he did to Calvin Gastelum, who is also a great grappler. Like, I don't know, Shabazian. Well, everyone likes to make a fuss about Shabazian training with uh, with Ronda for such a long time. So we're going to see if yeah. uh, if it works out, if that's been uh, helping at all. I think that's an absolutely brutal fight to put a young a young guy who was he undefeated before the Manson fight? Yeah, or? he was undefeated. Yeah. yeah, he was undefeated. There was a load of hype around him. Like he was, you know, future star. I think he was knocking people out in one round every time, basically. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, only, fight, a, only a split loss. only a split decision to my boy Darren Stewart. Shout out. Yeah, it was pretty bloody hard to get out of there within the 15 minutes. Um, yeah, but I mean, like we said, brutal fight. And then um, oh. an absolute, probably maybe my favorite fight we've talked about here, Puna Soriano, who destroyed Dusko Todorovic, is fighting Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Um, you know, Hernandez got a lot of hype about him now after the uh, the submission on Rodolfo Vieira. And Soriano, obviously, like, you know, we like to talk about people who have that one one punch knockout power. <laughs> Soriano has one punch knockout power. That he also has great shot the lights out. Yeah. Like, uh, he trains with Eric Nixick. I mean, you have to look at what he's done to, well, I mean, we won't see it yet, but like Francis's submission game, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later. <laughs> uh, but he, like, yeah, he wrestles with Francis and the heavyweights and all that kind of thing. So, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't, really, really I wouldn't sleep on his, I wouldn't sleep on his um, submission game. I, I've seen some ridiculous tastes being like, oh, Hernandez sub. Like, what are you talking about? Hernandez sub Rodolfo Vieira. So he's clearly the best grappler in the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> MMA math. MMA math, bro. <laughs> That's how that shit works. Everyone knows this. Two plus two equals five. <laughs> <laughs> um, shall we get into UFC 260? Yeah, the, go on then. The card that seems to have fallen apart a little bit. I'm looking at the notes now and there's what? Five fights on the prelims and five on the main card. Is that it? Ten fights? Shit, that yeah, is. I think so, yeah. um, <laughs> So we start out with um, Barrio against Abu Aizatar. Um, Azaitar, sorry. Um, Barrio, I think, has lost three in a row and had a no contest in there. So Did he um, not beat the last guy? No, that's the no contest. His win is oh, the no contest. Yes, of course. Um, and then before that, three losses. So this is, you know, for him, most likely fighting for his job. So um, to be honest, that, that does typically make the fight more interesting when they've you know, when they've got that much on the line kind of in the same way that contender series is like fighting for their opportunity um and abu Aizatar, i think has only lost twice so you know pretty tough opponent for barrio to be fighting for his job against as well um but the, the next one i'm way more excited for shane young against omar morales um morales was undefeated before he lost to giga chikadze shane young got his skull kicked in by ludovic klein in his last fight but um i think klein came like three, four pounds overweight for that fight or something, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, he was yeah. massively overweight. Yeah. Massively overweight. It may sound like he's fucking fat as shit. But um <laughs> yeah, he was he was over the weight. And um so you know we'll give Young a, a slight pass on that. And um is he city kickboxing, Shane Young? Uh yeah he is, yeah. Yeah. Why am I why I blank? Yeah. Trains with Volk. I think actually Volk beat him, which is why Volk trains at Sikibi. Yeah, yeah, so um, right. should be, a, I mean, a, a city kickboxing young up-and-comer against Omar Morales. Like, that's going to be a fun striking battle for sure. Um, and then we have um, Modestus Bukowskis, who we were saying before we um, we started recording that one of my one of my favorite betting wins was his last win because he kind of knocked the guy out, but also it's possible the guy just fell out of the octagon when they opened the door. <laughs> um, if anyone's not seen that, go back and look at Bukowskis's last win because his opponent fell out of the cage in between rounds when they opened the door. Um, and there was some controversy over whether he was just leaning back onto the, onto the fence and they opened the door behind him. Um, we did look up how to pronounce his opponent before the pod, but I've already forgotten. Um, Michael uh, Oleksijuk. I'm just going to go with that. Sorry, mate. Uh, if I is it Oleksijuk that. or Oleksijuk? I can't remember. One I have two. no idea, but um, Michael, you know, that's, that's a pretty underrated fight on this card. Like, both those guys can throw down. Um, I think Pekaskis might struggle a little bit in the grappling department. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Although to be fair, I don't think I don't know if it, I don't know if it'll get that far. Like Pekaskis is deadly on the feet. I know he got slept by Jimmy Crew, but just just like well, I think case. the reason I'm looking forward to this one is, like you said, he got they both have the potential to to knock someone out or get slept themselves. So, um, and and they both have been slept recently. So there's a lot on the line. Kind of reminds me of like the Enzechuk. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it. Enzekuku. That's the one. Big Ken versus. I might, um, I might not even be right there, but that's 
that's the way I learned to say it when I was trying to not embarrass myself. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Big Ken versus Big Ken. Um, Carlos Ulberg. I kind of feel like I'll go that way. We might, we might see a mirror. Yep. And then um, Jared Gooden, who I think gave a pretty good account of himself in his last fight. He lost to um, Alan Juban, but um, he looked pretty good. And he's fighting Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov. Um, I don't know much about um, Nurmagomedov, to be honest. Trains with, or is currently training with Luke Rockhold for his comeback. So, so we know he's not gonna have any defense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's in the Magomedov, he'll have defense. <laughs> yeah, true, fair point. Anyone with the uh, anyone with the hang on a second, he's the one who lost, isn't he? I'm sure he's the one who lost in his debut. I think he is coming off a loss, yeah. I think he's what he's 0 1 in the UFC. Yeah, he lost to Daniel Zawada. He got submitted, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he did. In, Russia, in, in Moscow. It was on the um, Magomed Sharapov versus Carvin Gator. Yeah. yeah. What, what yeah, a like fight. That, that. It's all flooding back to me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the fight we were super psyched for, but um, could still be good depending on um, how the water buffalo does. I don't, like I said, I don't know much about him, but great nickname. Uh, Alonzo Menafield. I think there's a lot of questions about Menafield going into this. Like, He's shown in his short UFC career thus far that he has insane knockout power and zero gas tank. Yeah, I think if Menfield loses to a debutant, it might be ropes for him. I don't know how much patience Dana's got. With a guy who was once tipped to be the light heavyweight champion, let's not forget, only a couple of years ago, Menfield was being billed as the next big thing until he ran into, well, OSP. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, there's not much to say about that fight because I don't, literally know nothing about Sharon other than he's the LFA light heavyweight champion. Yeah, they, li- so. they literally just announced that replacement before we started recording. So I looked at his record and that's it. Um, but so no idea what to expect there. And um, hopefully it'll be a banger because we're missing out on a banger not having William Knight in there with uh, with the London men of field. Um, kicking off the main <laughs> card, Jamie Malarkey is back again. Probably going to lose another war again, like he has in his last two fights um, with Karma Worthy. His last two fights, who was the guy for last French guy, wasn't it? Faraz Ziam or something like that. Um, yeah. And then before that was the absolute banger with Brad Riddell, which is one of, in my opinion, the most underrated fights of like the last few years was Malarkey against Riddell. Like how neither of them got slept earlier in that fight. I, like they spent the first 10 minutes just throwing, throwing and bombs, landing, yeah. not just throwing bombs, landing bombs on each other over like for the full. Like five ten minutes of the of the opening of that fight. Yeah, carnage. I think uh, I don't know. I I kind of feel like it's got worthy sub written all over it. Yeah, he Just subbed um, Louis Pena, Pena, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, which is pretty impressive as well. And like I said, Malaki, fair fucking play for the for the you know the way he fights. He's abs- you know an absolute madman, but um, you know yet to win in the UFC. So you feel like it's kind of now or never. Never and come with a really tough fight for him. Um, Coming off, I think he had two really impressive wins and then lost his last fight to um, Azaitar. Mm-hmm. And on that subject, we have an Azaitar fighting on this card. We were supposed to have an Azaitar fighting on the last really big pay-per-view. But of course, he was kicked off Fight Island for his uh, mysterious bag. And for those who bag of potatoes. this week... Yeah, bag <laughs> of potatoes. Which, uh, what did I say it was again? Oh yeah, that he was trying to steal Connor's watch. <laughs> that was my that was my theory that he had some ninja trying to steal Connor's watch because that was the week there was all that stuff on social media about his diamond gold encrusted yeah, yeah. watch whatever that moved around and shit Rolex um, 3000 or whatever it's called yeah unsurprisingly Carmel Worthy says Otman Azaitar's bag had roids in it which is really disappointing I was expecting you know like a head like at the end of seven or you know some mad shit <laughs> Still so, so boring like come on yeah I agree. I, I thought it'd be a bit more spicy, just, even just to build interest, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, if it were, if it was steroids, like it'd have been cool. I about to say, so, if it was dildos. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting for sure. Um, depending on who's delivering them to, but um, yeah. I mean, have they have they reinstated Omina Zaitar in in US? I think I saw they had, but um, he's obviously not fought again since then, but. You'd have to think it's not steroids if they have reinstated him in the UFC because why the fuck would they do that? Um, but anyway, who knows? And they can't uh, afford for him to be a drug cheat anyway because yeah. he's backed by the Moroccan royal family. That would just be dreadful PR. So I think I think there's... Yeah. 
I don't. I don't know if it was so sinister, but then it's so like the whole situation is just so. It's just so weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, next fight, Gillian Robertson, Miranda Maverick. This is another one that was been um, rescheduled from. How how is that a main card fight? Honestly, I mean, this main card's pretty poopy. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing O'Malley again. I'm looking forward to seeing Luke because I love Luke, and the main event is obviously awesome. But as far as the, you the know, main event's the only reason I'm staying awake. <laughs> yeah, as far as big pay per view, you know, baddest men on the planet going at it in the main event. The the main card by itself is pretty poopy. Um, I think maybe if Menafield and Knight it's at that fight had stuck together, they should have put that on the main card. Obviously, it didn't. So um, they're definitely not going to throw a debutant on there. But um, yeah, I mean Robertson and Miranda Maverick, Miranda Ma- Miranda Maverick just destroyed um, Liana Jojo in her last fight. Absolutely butchered her face if you remember that. Yeah, and Bruce. Jillian Robertson lost to uh, Batelio, who we just talked about. So. I mean, I'm not sure what the odds are in that fight, but I think Maverick is Miranda Maverick. Maverick. Why am I having so much trouble saying her name? I, I got through Modestus Bukowskis, but <laughs> Miranda Maverick's tripping me up. Um, Miranda Maverick. I think oh, she's yeah. a favorite in that fight, but uh, like Jillian Robson's such a weird fighter to analyze because sometimes her grappling looks world class, and then sometimes I she's just feel like dental. it's kind of somewhat overrated. Like it's, it's, it's changes from fight to fight. She's a typical Dean Thomas student, isn't she? Yeah, it's so inconsistent. Um, yeah, I th- like, I'd, I'd have to say if Robertson's at her best, I would back her to to beat Maverick. On the all ground. depends on which Robertson steps through that cage door. Completely agree. Like speaking speaking of people who it all depends on which one steps through the cage door, Sean O'Malley is back. Um, I'm I mean I'm not surprised he's such a huge favorite, but. I don't think he should be that huge of a favorite. I think I'm picking him to win. Like, I, if you put a gun to my head and asked me who's going to win this fight, I'd say O'Malley's probably going to knock out made it out. But he's a massive favorite in this. And now that Eddie Wineland's shown since he lost to O'Malley that maybe Eddie Wineland's just, you know, with all due respect, a little bit past his prime, um, to put it mildly. Like, O'Malley doesn't have any impressive wins on his resume. Not one. So to be such a huge favorite against Almeida, who... Is gonna have a you know solid game plan. He is gonna know to kick that kick that leg straight away. I'd give it ten seconds before he kicks the leg. I'm a little bit surprised that they are this lopsided. I think what everyone's forgetting, right, is that Almeida was Sean O'Malley like five years ago. He was 21 and 0 at one point yeah. in his career. When when Almeida first arrived on the scene, everyone thought he'd be the next big thing at bantamweight, and obviously his career's kind of fallen off the rails. So. Yeah, I think they're also quite disrespectful. I am expecting O'Malley to win. I mean, I must admit, I've I've kind of got a love-hate relationship with Sean at the moment in the sense of, I think he's just absolute star. He's one of the best young talents we've got in the FC. Some of the comments he's made in the more recent months have been, to say the least, controversial, and I perhaps haven't agreed with them. Um, but I was impressed with his interview with Ariel, where he was just like, look, I know how good I am, I've got to prove it, and... It's not that it seemed humble, but it kind of seemed like he was figuring things out. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it seemed, mm-hmm. it seemed like he was actually focusing on the fight rather than just talking the talk. Like it seems like he's he's in a good place again, which is good. Like, I think, I think, look, he, he came up short against um, Cheeto. I mean, well, he didn't come up short. He got battered by Cheeto. Let's be honest. I but think it doesn't this is count. A... It doesn't count because he hurt his leg. I think this is a bit of a, I don't know. I feel I not not that it's padded, but I feel like it's there for Sean to get a win under his belt and get some momentum back and get back on track. Yeah, I mean Almeida was he went like I say he was twenty one and zero and then he got knocked out by Cody Garbrandt. Um, he lost he like then, four of his last. He then five beat Albert Morales and then yeah he's lost three in a row after that. So it is four of his last five. Um, he lost a decision to Jimmy Rivera. Got knocked out by Rob Font and then lost a decision to Jonathan Martinez, who we just saw get slapped by the legend David Grant. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, mean, I think you know, I like you say, I also would back O'Malley to win this. I do think the odds are more lopsided than they should be. If if you like an underdog bet, I'd, I'd have a go on on Almeida. But personally, I think, like you say, this is kind of set up for get O'Malley back on track because Almeida's come up short whenever he's faced a really, really top level striker. Yeah, I agree. I think. Um... I think it's just like I don't I, I I don't want to see them rush Sean, 
but I feel like if he sleeps, I made it. They might just do. Really they are going to rush him. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, 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 I think it's crazy. I, as you say, the, the opponents he's beaten, yeah. The... He beat a 70-year-old Eddie Wineland and they threw him in there with Cheeto, who's an absolute killer. I think, to be honest, they should have thrown him in there with uh, Jose Aldo, which sounds absolutely crazy, right? But if you think about what like Aldo's done, he got absolutely battered by Pitian. Let's face it, yeah, he was he was beating Aljamain Sterling, but it wasn't like he was dominating him. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, 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 it wasn't like he was... Like, there weren't like brutal cuts or, or blood or... Or anything like that. It was, I don't know. I I just feel like they kind of got. Uh, I think unfortunately for for Sean, COVID came at the wrong time, and there weren't any other opponents available. Hence, the buyer cheetah fight was made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's kind of what we were saying about Paddy. They need to like build him back up again. I, I think if he beats Almeida, like top fifteen is a bit crazy. Just keep it nice and slow, and that, that, that's the way they make money, isn't it? Like building these building the profiles of these fighters. Throwing him in the deep end just didn't work. Build him up slowly and let's, let's take it from there. I feel like they're definitely going to fuck that up and, and throw him in there <laughs> with some I'm, absolute I, Can you hear the pleading in my voice? <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, Tyron Woodley, a little bit confused how Tyron Woodley's getting a co-main event because he's been absolutely destroyed three fights in a row. Um, but I'm very happy for my boy Vicente Luque getting a co-main because <laughs> Luque's another one I've been a big fan of for a long time. Um, I just love like his file of... Uh, his style of fighting, his style of fighting is my chin's better than yours. I hit harder than you. Let's fucking let's see you last longer. Like you know what I mean. Like he is very technical, so I'm, I'm being a bit harsh on his technical abilities. But I love his just balls to the wall style. Like he knows he has a concrete chin. He knows he hits hard, and he's not afraid to use it. It all depends on how much Tyron Woodley still wants to fight. I think, which is impossible to know because before each of his last. Two losses. He said the same after thing. the yeah. yeah, and he said it again this week. Oh, you know, I I've I put that behind me, and I'm you know back to my best. Blah blah blah. But um, uh, but if I'm who, being honest, who fucking knows? The best Tyron Woodley should easily be the best Vicente Luque, right? Like the Till, the, the Woodley that beat Till should beat Vicente Luque. I don't think that Woodley exists anymore. Like we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it for a is, long time. If Woodley is to win this fight, he has to rely on his wrestling. Luque has shown. I mean, right, he got pieced, pieced on the feet by Wonderboy, but losing on the feet to Wonderboy is almost a given. He's the best striker in the UFC. Um, he's also shown, like, real problems. In his, like, there is a depth in terms of the wrestling. There's there's a massive differential. Luke had lost to Edwards pretty convincingly um, because yeah, Edwards was wrestling. And Woodley beat Damian Meyer as well. Let's not yeah. forget that. So. Uh, I think... I just don't think Woodley's got the power anymore to trouble Luke. So if he is to win this fight, he's got to take it to the ground. The question is, can he do it before Luke hits him on the chin? I was going to say, no, if he, if he just stands there gun-shy like he has in his last few fights, then Luke will beat him up. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, looking forget, at all, Luke, I'm looking at all of these from a betting perspective, and this is a fight I would not touch with a 10-foot pole if you're betting on the fights, because, like we say, you literally have no idea which Tyron Woodley's going to turn up. And don't forget, Luke trained with Gilbert, like was literally Gilbert Burns' main sparring partner yeah. for the Woodley fight when Burns just completely destroyed Woodley. Like, he knows his game plan. He knows the weaknesses. He d- has, of course, doesn't have Burns' ability on the ground, but you know, still has the striking, like we said, to do some serious harm. Has Tyron Woodley made the adjustments in such a short space of time after quitting against Kobe Covington? I'm not so sure he has. On that note, we'll move on to the main event. That was pretty pretty savage note to end on. Um, we uh, we got Stipe and Francis going out again once again. I think how many fights has Francis won since uh, since they last fought? It's like five knockouts all in the first round or some shit. Um, Is it four? Lost the uh, lost the lost the Blades. Lost to Stipe, no, lost, lost, to, to Lewis, lost to Lewis, and sorry. then Blades, Be- Velasquez, Blades. JDS, Rosenstrike, all first round finishes. Yeah, cool. Um, I've I've seen I, I kind of have a bone to pick with UFC with oh, sorry with MMA Twitter. Um, <laughs> the Twitter sphere seems convinced that because his last four fights since that little two loss streak to uh, to Stipe and Derek Lewis because they've all ended so quickly that he's not shown any improvement. So how so clearly he hasn't improved what what he needs to improve to fight Stipe. That is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Do you think Francis Ngannou has been winning these fights not knowing full well that he's probably going to have to face Stipe again? Or if not Stipe, it would have been DC. So like, all he will have been working on is defending takedowns, getting back up from takedowns, maybe attacking, you know, the odd 
um, not guillotine, that's going to send him down to the ground. Maybe attacking the odd Kimura or something to, to keep it standing. Um, Single leg, double leg, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pissing me off. Just every day on Twitter, I'm seeing someone will say, oh, well, Francis wrestling improved. And then there'll be a horde of people saying, how do you know? He has, all his fights have been set. Well, obviously, he's been working on it. Like, he's not just going to... I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you right now. he knocked out Rosenstrike, went home and was like, oh, I'm I'm ready for Stipe then. Because I'll tell you right now how it's improved. Curtis Blades tried to take him down. Couldn't take him down. Curtis Blades is arguably the best wrestler in the UFC, in the UFC heavyweight division. Now that DC's retired, I mean John Jones isn't a heavyweight yet, so I can't still make that statement. Yeah, not officially. Um, Kamara Usman's going to be in his corner. That that says it in itself. He's been working on him with his fight camp. Like Usman's probably the well now that Abib's retired, the best wrestler in the UFC. Like that's just fact. That will help him massive. I'm not saying he'll have made. Such a massive step. I don't forget Steve. No, yeah, is we're, also... not, we're not saying he's going to be the better grappler in there, but like it's just so. Rid- I, honestly, I just I had to I had to rage about that. I've seen it every every time I've logged onto Twitter this week. I've seen people saying, "Oh, there's, you know, Francis hasn't shown any improvement. All his fights have ended in twenty seconds." Yeah, that doesn't mean he's have... not improved. I actually have a different take, and this might sound really controversial, but has Stipe improved? He's beaten. Let's face it. A DC that was on the down, uh, a downward spiral in the twilight years of his career, yeah. we'll say. Yeah, um, and they were wars. They weren't. They weren't convincing victories. They were wars. Uh, you could make an argument that DC won a significant portion of their previous fight. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the the second fight, you could, well, he did up until he got caught. Obviously, you could say the same about the the the, the decision that went to a decision. Like there were contestable rounds. I think, to be honest. I have bigger questions about Stipe than I do Francis, which sounds bizarre because Stipe beat him so candidly in the first fight. Like it was almost after dominance on the feet and after dominance on the ground. Well, not really dominance on the feet, but complete dominance on the ground. Um, am I so convinced that he can last another 25 minutes without getting caught by the biggest puncher in the UFC history? I yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat. I, I, when this fight was announced, I was. Straight away, my my brain went to Stipe has his number, and I kind of thought I watched the last fight and I was like, damn, I mean, perfect performance from Stipe the first fight. Um, but yeah, like, I have to agree. The more the more it's got closer to fight time, I started to. I watched Dan Hardy's breakdown as well, and he Fear up the boy. He, yeah, he made a point in that of um, how Stipe was just, and I mean just by fucking millimeters, missing getting blasted by an uppercut when he was shooting for takedowns like they were missing his temple by you know an immeasurably small amount um i just i can't see how francis doesn't make the adjustments to make sure one of those uppercuts hits or to keep it standing so that that's not even an issue like i have to i have to lean francis another reason why he he didn't win the first fight right is because he gassed even the fights beforehand he hadn't made it out the first round he was was he was gassed after the first round in that fight i think if you um go back and watch it they said it on the broadcast, they were like, "Look how you know, look how um, labor is a word I'm looking for. Yeah. yeah, look how labor is walking out from his corner after the first round." And you know, like I said again, what I was just saying about improving his wrestling—he's not stupid. Like he's not been winning these fights in the first round for the last few years, and then going, "Oh, that's cool. I'm good." Then, like he's going to have been working on this stuff. And this is another point that I think needs to be made. He's been training at the PI, as in UFC PI, the UFC's official gym. With all their training. And why is that? Because the UFC fully understand that Francis Ngannou brings a lot of money to the table. Like, he brings eyeballs. If you want to fight for the baddest man of the title of being the baddest man on the planet, you want someone like Francis Ngannou being your champion. Let's be honest. I think I think he is the next huge, like, megastar in the UFC. Um, I think maybe DC said this. Or I saw someone say this this week, that imagine the scenario where he destroys Stipe. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but picture that scenario. And then they make the John Jones fight. And then if he wins that John Jones fight, he is the face of the UFC. Like he beat Stipe. He beat John Jones. He's beat the heavyweight goat. He's beat the goat to some people, depending on how you look at it. Um, that like he is then the, the, like there's no even argument about it then if that happens. So like, like you say that there's no way that, you know, he's not got every box ticked in terms of the weaknesses he showed in his last fight. That doesn't mean he's going to be a better grappling Stipe, like we said, but um, there, there's too many. There's more reasons why I would think Francis has made improvements than there is 
why I would think that Stipe is still way far ahead of him. And um, I, I that, also, with the great equalizer of his power, I kind of have to lean to Francis. I think also, you, you sort of touched on it there, the, the eye surgery that Stipe has been through. I don't forget, they were nasty eye pokes from DC. Uh, the, the, from both sides, in fact. And I mean, what is he, 38? Like, to go through surgery, are his eyes, I mean, he's always wearing glasses. It's, I mean, I wear glasses. I know how hard it is to see without them. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's, I mean, it's a different thing fighting an aging Cormier than it is fighting a, a lion in France. Just, like, I'm sorry. At first, I thought you said an Asian Cormier. Oh, like, aging. <laughs> aging Cormier. I nearly just lost my shit. Aging, um, aging sorry, Cormier. ignore me. It's late. It's late. Yeah, it is late. <laughs> Asian Cormier versus a lion in France. And I, I, I don't know. I just, I think it's they just set Francis. Like, it, it just yeah, it just like... feels, and I, I sort of feel like it would be a little bit disrespectful to, the consensus heavyweight go here, go, yeah. it just feels like it's the moment. This is the moment for Francis to rocket to superstardom. Quite literally, like, all he has to do is land once. I don't know that sounds crazy in itself, but the the, the weapons on his hands. I I, I don't think Steve has enough to trouble him. Another criticism as well that people have leveled at Francis is. Well, you know, watch what he did against Rosenstrike. That it that shows he hasn't improved because he just swung swung the death windmills um, at at Rosenstrike. But the thing there is, he knows Rosenstrike's not going to shoot. That's why he did that. He's not going to he's not going to run forward, chin up, feet back behind his body, swinging the windmills at. St- he's not going to do that because Stipe can shoot. Why, why would he do that? He didn't do it to Blades. And he also like, understood to beat a kickboxer to take him completely out of his comfort zone is to do something so unorthodox and. Offset him completely. I thought yeah, if he's, if he stood trying to, you know, faint and jab with uh, with Rosenstrike, he'd be playing his game. Yeah, and I think I think that's it. I think he can't. I mean, my, my only question for Francis is: Can he shake off what Stipe did to him in the first fight? If he can get that out of his mind and and he can come to terms with that, mm-hmm. if he goes in with confidence, I think he I think Francis wins that fight. If he still has the doubts of the first fight, I think it. it well, he has the first round to knock him out, and then that's it. Uh, yeah, I think I, if if that's if that's going to be the the situation where he's kind of a little bit gun, not gun shy. That's kind of the wrong word for Francis because he's never gun shy. But you know, yeah, like you said, a little bit kind of the demon still haunting him. Um, if that were the case, then my prediction would be either Francis in round one or Stipe in round five. Like mm. I think Stipe can finish him if if he can get this fight extended and, and wear him down. You know push him up against the fence, show that he's still way, way levels above in the grappling. So, you know, we're not ruling out Stipe, but I think if Stipe is going to get a finish, it would need to be late. If it goes to the scorecards, it'll probably be Stipe. But my official prediction is early early knockout for Francis, round one or two. It just it just feels like we're on the cusp of a wave, doesn't it? Like, mm-hmm. With John Jones moving up, like the heavyweight division needs new blood. I'm not saying that Stipe hasn't been a great champion. He has been a great champion. Um I I am personally like, it's one of those where I'm like I don't want either man to lose because I think they're both amazing fighters. But yeah, have you, have you seen that clip that surfaced this week of um, during their last fight week? There was a clip where they were backstage for the press conference and Stipe oh. was complimenting Francis's shirt. Yeah, and um, I think Francis thought he was taking the piss at first, but he was like, no, no, I'm serious. I really like the shirt. And then Francis said something like, oh no, it must have been after. Sorry, it must have been after their first fight because Francis said something like. Um, I'm I'm gonna come back and get my revenge. And Stipe said, "Thank you." <laughs> like, it was just the most brilliantly kind of awkward, but like night like good-hearted interaction that you could you know they're both such likable guys. And like you say, it will suck to see possibly one of them get slept. Um, but yeah, I think we're we're agreed on on Francis, aren't we? I've already written, I've already written the headline. It's preordained. <laughs> <laughs> Francis and Garni face plants DC with bru- uh, face plants DC face plants Stipe with brutal uh, one punch KO calls out John Jones. And given that I uh, mentioned Hardy's breakdown video, which anyone who's listening to this and hasn't watched that needs to go and watch that um, on BT Sports YouTube channel. Um, there's something you mentioned right at the end was how Francis has used Kimura's to defend takedowns, and he actually won a fight by Kimura. Um, like. I think a couple fights before the first fight with Stipe. Yeah, um, it was his first. Three, I'm I'm waiting for Skybet to put odds. Skybet do odds on all the specific t- types of submission and knockouts. They do like you know knockout by head kick, knockout by blah blah. Um, if they're 
Kimura submission is like a hundred to one. I'm gonna put a little bit on that. I have to just because Hardy pointed out, and I was like, oh shit! Imagine the scenes. Imagine how mental the social media would go if uh, if the uh, the end result is Francis by submission. That'd be crazy. I think Francis needs to use kicks as well. He doesn't really use if you look. He doesn't really use kicks in his fights at all. But no, never, hardly ever. But I mean, he's got tree trunks for legs. He's got to use his kicks. He's got he's, he's got to use his size and he's got to use his, his physical attributes to to win this fight and and hopefully hopefully it's just a fan friend, it's a fan friendly fight because as I say they're both likable fighters and it will suck to see one of them lose but it's the heavyweight game and just don't blink I think that, I think that's it just don't blink because you just never know what's going to happen and couldn't have summed it up any better than that, mate. We will uh, we'll leave it on that, and we'll come back next week when we have egg on our face after Steve puts on another <laughs> massive glass. Yeah. We'll just be really like downbeat and de- thirty twenty seven, thirty twenty seven, thirty twenty seven. Fucking hell, mate! Pay attention. Main event. Come on, five rounds. Keep up. Sorry, um, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll we'll leave it on that. That's there. We go. Official prediction: two two nil on votes. Both go for Francis, but um. I, I I would hate to see either man badly hurt. Yeah, <laughs> our hearts are ready to be broken either way, one way or the other. So um, yeah, peace.